Greetings and welcome back to the Fun to Know podcast with Dan Buskirk. Today's guest, electronic musician Henry Plotnik. To me, the songs sort of sound like fields. There's, I mean, if you imagine a blade of grass in a field, it's one little part of this big whole. And so when you're listening to fields, there's these sort of big spanning fields of sound. There's lots of things, little things happening. And that, that, that's a really big part of my music where you're listening and you can listen to this thing or listen to this thing. There's so many things happening, so there's these big spanning fields of sound that you can choose where to find your place in music. Hello and welcome back to the Fun to Know podcast. I'm Dan Buskirk. On today's show, electronic musician Henry Plotnik talks about music, the Beatles, jazz, bar mitzvah playlists, and how hard it is to recruit collaborators when you're a 13-year-old in love with Philip Glass, Kraftwerk, and Fortet. Henry's second release, Blue 14, has just been released as a cassette-slash-download package on the Blue Tapes label. It shows Henry's audio palette extending beyond the waves of sound we heard on Fields, the debut he recorded at the age of 11 that was released by the Santa Cruz label Holy Mountain. I first learned of Henry's music through Facebook when his mother Allison posted some long, dreamy improvisation Henry had been playing at the family's piano. I'd known Henry's parents from my years in the 1990s living in San Francisco. Danny Plotnick is an underground 8mm filmmaker and co-creator of the legendary magazine Motor Booty, and his mother, Allison Faith Levy, is a musician who recorded under her own name as well as with the children's group The Sippy Cups, the band Mushroom, and Scott Miller's band The Loud Family. So it's no surprise such artistically savvy parents would produce such a curious and creative kid as Henry, but Henry's talent himself is quite surprising. Centered around the keyboard, Henry's music has already shown quite a progression between his two releases, with the primal, playful purity of 2013's Fields giving way to the more complex, probing, and cacophonous compositions on his latest release, Blue 14. I interviewed Henry on a recent trip to the San Francisco Bay Area, a trip that included conversations with assorted writers and artists of some prestige. I was flattered that they all took time to speak with me, but the one person I felt most sheepish to impose upon was Henry. I figured that each of these adults had frittered away plenty of time over the course of their lives, but Henry's time seemed more precious, especially since... He'd made such productive use out of it. The interview was conducted in his favorite creative space, on his bedroom floor with his legs tucked under him while he sat at the keyboard. Henry had been vacationing with his grandparents for ten days before, during which he was frustrated by being unable to play a note of music. Now reunited with his keyboard, Henry seemed bursting with enthusiasm. Conversation started before I could get my mics plugged in. You'll hear 20 seconds of Henry talking with wild sound before we're ready to set up and begin.
um, there's a lot of pictures of me when I'm a baby reaching up to try to press the piano keys. So I really liked the piano, I guess. Just something about it that strikes a nerve in me. And also, I loved to play with turntables when I was little. I'm sitting and messing with the sound of the record. What really got me into my new sort of musical vein is Brian Eno, actually. Ah, but what did you hear from Brian Eno? Well, I... It, it would just sort of I This was before I had a big musical collection of my own, but it would sort of... It'd come up every now and again on my parents' or on my parents' iPod shuffles, and I'd say, oh, that's cool. And so when I finally got one of my own, I put this Brian Eno stuff on there. I said, oh, I should check it out. It'll be cool. And then I began listening to it, and I liked all the ways the sort of instruments played off of each other and the um, electronics and the guitars and the drums and how it all sort of came together, and then so I began to listen to more of that, and then I got into the more ambient stuff of Brian Eno, the sort of more, not even atonal, but a not arrhythmic um, compositions, and so I began playing those types of things on the piano, sort of a note here, a note there, without any rhythm, and it sounded kind of cool, and then that sort of brought me into more minimalistic things like Philip Glass and Steve Reich, and then that all sort of came together, and I began playing that kind of thing on piano. And then I have I had a keyboard, and I think that sort of got that whole type of music into me. Were you taking piano lessons around that time, or I, I've been taking piano lessons since I was five, but the piano lessons I've been taking have been about more sort of traditional classical and music theory and that kind of thing. Not really the kind of things I do outside of piano lessons, but. More just sort of the traditional piano lessons, but yes, I was. <laughs> Your mother, Allison uh, Levy, has a long uh, career uh, playing music yes. in, the, in the Bay Area. Uh, I guess she had all the, the Steve Reich and uh, all this music available to you? Uh, well, actually, I, I sort of introduced my parents to that kind of thing because my, parent, my dad um, once filmed an interview with Terry Riley. And so he had some Terry Riley music, and I listened to that. And then sort of, with people suggesting music to me, I found Philip Glass. And, oh, well, also, um, the movie Philip Glass scored, Koyana Skatsi, and then Palakatsi and Nakakatsi and all those weird things. <laughs> um, I had seen that, and I had enjoyed it, like, in second grade. And I liked the music, so I got the soundtrack. And then that and Terry Riley sort of combined, and I had this sort of minimalistic, ambient, musical... Upbringing. Where did you run across Quiana Scotsy in those? What? Where did you run across those films? Oh, like um, second grade? we had them, and I <laughs> one one day my dad was like, "Oh, or my mom or someone just said, well, oh, maybe you'd like this, you know, cool uh, vehicles and implosions and time lapse, you know." I thought maybe you saw that at school or something. No, oh, no, <laughs> we had a program in second grade where every week someone would bring in a movie to show and I wanted to bring in Koyana Scotsy and I don't think anyone would have gotten it. <laughs> what's, what's your schooling like? Uh, is, um, do you study music at school as well? Or? At school I'm part of a band but my um, the band teacher who I had liked for many years and she was a great teacher and we liked her a lot, she left last year so they brought in a new teacher that I didn't really connect with as much but then I think 
this year we're going to have a new teacher, so I'm going to stick with band, I think. And so, yeah, I do band at school, and I, I used to, at recess, go into one of the rooms with the piano and play, and people would sort of come by and watch, but then they kicked me out, so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> How did, what, what was it about that first uh, music teacher that you connected with? I think she just sort of, um, she sort of understood us as musicians and let us sort of um, make our own interpretation of the music along with the traditional notes and rhythm and everything. She sort of let us be a band together as opposed to just following all the sort of traditional ways of playing music and, you know, improvisation and all that kind of open and open playing of music. Yeah, yeah, and the other one's a little more strict on... I wouldn't say strict, just sort of not as open to sort of interpretation of the ways it can, can be played, so the ways it should be played. Well, here, here's the page, play what's on the page. Yeah, yeah. So you're in a jazz band too, you said, at school? Or? Uh, so, well, I'm in another jazz band outside of school oh. um, with a Bay Area bassist named Marcus Shelby. And there's a, I think there's like 15 of us, 20 of us, and we meet every week on Tuesdays and learn Duke Ellington and John Coltrane and all sorts of different jazz and we we are we are we work very well together as a band. Mm -hmm. We can play off of each other, call and response, improvisation. A lot of times we just sort of get into a groove and just keep going and it sounds really good and we've played at SF Jazz, which is the big sort of jazz center in San Francisco, and we're based in the Community Music Center, which is in the Mission District, and we I th we work really well together. What, what sort of tunes do you do? Uh, well, we've done Love Supreme by John Coltrane, we've done lots of Duke Ellington, Sea Jam Blues, uh, Duke Ellington, we've... There's, there's a lot more Duke Ellington. We, we did Equinox, or Equinox, however you'd like to pronounce it, um, uh, we did, um, did some Miles Davis, um, all sorts of things just sort of coming together. We have a giant set list and we'll go around different places in San Francisco and play. And we, we do good. Uh, <laughs> we're a very good band. You're sitting in front of the keyboard right now. Do you want to uh, play a little head of something or, uh, uh, uh from, from your, the, from your jazz from the jazz band. Um, Let's see, I don't have anything, uh, so, well, okay, um, the, um, the main, on Love Supreme, basically, the trombones and the piano and the basses are just sort of, uh, they're going... And then, over that, you, it's a, there's not really a main melody, just the sort of bass line, and then people can play over that, so, you know. And that sort of improvisation and Whoever is improvising, so it could be the basses, the trombones, the trumpets, they're not simultaneously playing the bass line, they're doing the improvisation. But it sort of goes the sort of cycle of this instrument's gonna play, this instrument's gonna play, this instrument's gonna play, 
and well, there's two there's two pianists, and I'm one of them, and so I play that one, and then uh, Mark Shelby's daughter, um, who's younger than me, she plays some other ones. Uh, but that's one of our favorites because it's very open, very sort of just improvisation, do your own thing. And then um, there's also uh, Equinox. Um, there's a really good bass line to that that I can't remember right now. Um, but then something like Sea Jam Blues is just sort of main blues form, you know. Uh, uh, the main thing goes... So, and then other people going. I'm totally off rhythm, but you, you get the idea. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's also known as Duke's Place, I think. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's got a lyric that uh, is often sang with it as well. Hmm. Oh, we've done Mood Indigo. That's Mood Indigo, one. another great one. Creative. So you really react to jazz. You really appreciate it. Huh? Yeah, I do. I like the, the sort of open way it's played with a form, and then people can go off the form, interact with each other. There's no set way of playing any particular jazz tune, That's which right. I do like. Um, but the music that you released uh, on the Holy Mountain label, mm -hmm. Fields, a very, it's a whole different uh, oh, it, yeah. whole different bag you're into there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the sort of repeating. and who have, I have a looping pedal next to me, a Line 6 green delay modeler DL4 looping pedal. And basically it's extremely simple to use. You can play anything, press this little button, click, 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 and it will repeat. And then you can play anything over that and it will repeat. So, say I want to play, um... So now, that's repeating over and over again. I can play something... And then I can... Since I'm using a Yamaha keyboard, I know it's kind of a cheesy way to make music, but I really like it. I can... Fields on GarageBand because that was before I made and I had this. But now I can do uh, a lot of more things because on field on fields I had a setting where whatever I played would be repeated. But now I can pick and choose and improvise over things. So I have more options of I can pick and choose what I'm going to repeat, what I'm not, and then improvise. And there's more I have more control over what gets heard. So I can add some drums or something. And then I can make it slow. Reverse, and then I can um, have things sort of repeat in a, on a different uh, delay time. I make them go up and down. And <laughs>
and then there's a button where you can have it repeat once and then end. So like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sort of, I mean, it's somewhat in the in the uh, same sound as, as the stuff that ended up uh, on your Fields record. How did how did that record come together? Uh, well, really, what it was was I I made one day I was sitting around in garage van and I wanted something to do, so I um I just decided to make a really really long song of sort of different things happening. And, you know, it was just me playing around, and on the last minute of making this song, I found this little setting somewhere which can make something repeat. And this was my very first encounter with actually being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, oh, well, this can repeat. And so I played a little something, and then it repeated, and I played a little something over that. And I said, oh, this is a really cool effect. So I did that and made field number one, which you hear today. And then so I expanded on that and made field number two. And then for field number three, I decided to add a little more bells, and so I ended up with that. Field number three, still, I still don't really like field number three. Don't ask me why. <laughs> field number four, I decided to make it sound really creepy and atonal. And then five and six and seven and eight and nine, I just experimented with different sort of ways of layering the different looping things and bringing this kind of thing up or bringing that kind of thing up and adding this effect or adding that effect. And so you get, they all sort of go together, but they're each in their own song. Now, where did you come up with the word field? To me, the songs sort of sound like fields. There's, I mean, if you imagine a blade of grass in a field, it's one little part of this big whole. And so when you're listening to fields, there's these sort of big spanning fields of sound. There's lots of things, little things happening that you can... And that, that, that's a really big part of my music, where you're listening and you can listen to this thing or listen to this thing. There's so many things happening that your mind can pick and choose what to listen to and what not. So you sort of have this interactive aspect of my music, so I can choose to listen to this little track and how that interacts with the other tracks. Or I can listen to it as a whole, or I can li just listen to the bass line. Or, so there's these big spanning fields of sound that you can choose where to, um, where to find your place in the music. Yeah, I just feel like you can get absorbed in, the, in mm -hmm. this music and really it sort of takes over the whole space you're in. You know? Yeah. That, that sort of mm -hmm. ringing, repeating tones and stuff. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous record. Yeah, and I, my newer stuff is more instrument. I, I have a new album coming out. You do? I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, this fall on an a English label. Hmm. They're releasing it on cassette, which I definitely hope has a digital download. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's the name of the label? It's called Blue Tapes. Mm -hmm. And it's labeled in England, and I made a, a, a little list of songs, and... I know the co what the cover is going to be, <laughs> and um, what's the cover going to be? It's it, it's going to be this sort of minimalistic uh, blue abstract, sort of interlocking blue squares. It's sort of not really like uh, the other cover, but same sort of interlocking geometrical blue figures, and um, 
it's each song is it's I think it's five songs, six songs, but each song is over ten minutes. So well, except the one song that's under ten minutes, it's fourteen seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so really, all the songs are over ten minutes, and because now I feel that. I need at least ten minutes to sort of get in the motion of the music. Like I'll start out with a loop, but I, like four minutes isn't enough for me to really get into it. It just sort of scratches the surface and leaves me wanting more of the music. Yeah. So that's why some of my pieces are now even like thirty minutes long. I just sort of sit and play. And there's also one song that's sound collage, mm -hmm. which I got off of a website called Free Sound, mm -hmm. which is people upload uh, sort of these public domain sounds they've recorded and you could download them and some of them you can use for your own projects and, and some of them you can't and but there's so many on this one it's impossible to just focus on one so I don't think I'll get sued by anyone. <laughs> so you, you use the sound that were all taken from this website to, yeah. to make another piece? But for some reason on my computer they take forever to download so they just, I just play them uh, directly off the website. But the website, I don't think it was designed for this, but it actually makes it really easy for me. You, there's a little loop button right next to the sound. You can just have it repeat over and over again because some of the sounds actually are loops. And so you can, and there's a big list of them, and you can play multiple ones at once and loop them. So I have like 20 tabs open on my computer, each playing 10 different sounds looped. <laughs> and then you just mic to your computer? And, uh, uh, well, yeah. And or you ran a line out? Or? There... The one on the album is mics. I put my computer through the boombox you see over there and then mic that. And then some I use a software that records direct sound from my computer, but it crashes every time I open it now, so I've only gotten seven songs out of it. <laughs> How did you end up getting the, the attention uh, in the beginning for uh, for Fields? Um, I think I'd recorded these nine uh, songs on my on a big computer at my house, and they were just sort of sitting there. And then I think my mom posted one of them on some sort of social media outlet. Say, hey, look what my son did. And we have a friend named John Woodson who runs Holy Mountain. And he found that post and listened to it. And he said, oh, well, this is kind of interesting. Can you send me more? So we sent him more, and he really liked it, and so there's this big correspondence with him, and eventually we um, got in touch with uh, someone who masters albums that we know, and we got it mastered, and it came out, and that was pretty exciting, and I sort of went to school with a little box of CDs, I said, who wants a CD? <laughs> I what? don't think anyone ever listened to it, but, <laughs> but, but that's okay. How did the kids in school react to your, uh, your interests? They said, whoa, that's so cool, you released an album. Um, but I think the music is a little, I don't know, I think they probably find it kind of strange. So like, can I have an album, Henry? And I'd say, sure, here's an album. And then I'd say, did you listen to it? And they'd say, oh yeah, I'm getting to that. 
<laughs> well, one of my classmates actually gave me a bad review on iTunes. Really? Uh, like a, like a, it was a three-star review. Uh, Henry, they all sound the same. Try something different. Oh, my gosh. But the, <laughs> and then a lot of people went on iTunes and like gave me five-star review. This music is perfect. Good job, Henry. Keep up the good work. <laughs> what kind of music do you think your classmates listen to? Not that, definitely. Yeah. Um, having gone to... I go to Jewish school, uh -huh. so everyone has a bar bat mitzvah, but the rule at school is you have to invite everyone to yours. Mm -hmm. So I have to go to like 40 this year. <laughs> and having gone to the 40 bar mitzvahs, there's probably about a three or four song deviation in all the mixes, <laughs> and the rest is just the exact same thing. Oh, my gosh. This sort of mix of Beyonce and Justin Bieber and I don't even know nor do I care to know. <laughs> and I listen to it, and I don't really hear anything in it. It's just sort of set auto-tuned voices over thumping drum beats. I, just, I, I don't hear anything in it. And there might be something in it I, that I'm just not hearing, but I, the, the kind of music I listen to, I think, because I listen to a lot of lyrical music, I'm really into um, a guy by the name of Sufjan Stevens. Sure. Have you heard him? Absolutely. He put, it was at one point going to make records of every state yeah, in the union, but yeah, that that was never going to work. I mean, releasing an album every year, you'd do it till you were. If he was twenty when he started that, he'd be seventy by the time he finished. It, <laughs> it would be his life work. Yeah, yeah, um, but, but a great songwriter, but he, great yeah, and, and I also listened to Flaming Lips and um, Brian Eno and LCD Sound System. Have you heard of them? Absolutely. And I, I think the kind of music I listen to, there's just there's more the people who make it make it with a purpose, whereas I think the kind of music that people listen to nowadays might just... I think the kind of music nowadays is just sort of made without much message to send, just made to for the showy aspect of it and for... Party and feel-good party to be Party feel-good songs. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that that could be the genre they're going for. I mean, who am I to judge what... The, psycholo the psychological aspects of pop music. But, I mean, to me, when I listen to it, I mean... What is there to it? I mean, to me, there's not much, but there there's probably is that I'm just not hearing. But that's the kind of things that my friends listen, well, that my classmates listen to. Yeah, uh, I'm lucky to uh, be in your room here and get a get a look at some of the things that you're into. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, right. most of these are from when I was like seven, and I've just kept them up on the wall. That be the, I have a giant Yellow Submarine Beatles poster. Is that a, a Spanish Beatles uh, Yellow well, Submarine poster? Well, it, it looks like it's from Italy, except we got Italy. it in France. Oh, okay. And that's cool, and I have lots of books. I'm trying to collect the Complete Peanuts series, so you can see I have a big collection there. I have lots of hats and some stuffed animals and random assorted pointless contraptions. <laughs> <laughs> Contraptions are spinning as 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 Henry speaks. Uh, are you speaking of the Beatles? Uh, where, where do the Beatles stand with you? I, I like the Beatles. Um, do I think they're the best band of all time? I don't know. I don't think so. But I do. I when I listen to the Beatles, I do hear how they have influenced almost everything on the face of this earth. Because <laughs> I mean, their music is just so widely accepted and as part of society. I mean, they've released so many things that are so different. I mean, Magical Mystery Tour and, uh, I don't know, Let It Be are entirely different things. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, they sort of have this same 
Beatley thing about yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, they really did come up with that idea of uh, having records be really strongly conceptual rather mm. than just the collection of the 12 most recent songs we wrote. You yeah. It's all formed <laughs> through them. Who would you put in the, in the running with the, the greatest band of all time, if, oh. uh, not the Beatles? Uh, greatest band of all time. I don't I, 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 I assume it's probably not going to be my favorite bands because my favorite bands, I mean, they're great and all, but the greatest band of all time. Um, well, I guess the Beatles, because they're just so... They're just so... Influential. Influential and important in the history of music. So I guess they're probably the most important band of all time, but... Who else is in your pantheon of great bands? Though? Of great bands. ones that you love. The ones I love. Um, I love... Um, do I have my iPod in my room? I, um... <laughs> I recently discovered um, Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Wow. And I really like their stuff. Mm -hmm. Simon Jeffy's classical composer took this ragtag group of jazz and classical people and made this music that's so... Oh, oh thank you! <laughs> Someone just slipped me my iPod. <laughs> Uh, let's see, what do I like? Yeah, the Penguin Cafe Orchestra, pretty indefinable at the, at the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was seemed oh. uh, revolutionary. When I oh, this is started. actually very helpful. Um, I, um, Black Moth Super Rainbow, mm -hmm. I've listened to. Uh, Dave Fridman um, uh, mastered some of their stuff, as well as um, Flaming Lips and Tame Impala and mm -hmm. those people. And I like that sound. And this sort of slightly off-key, um, fuzzy, electronic um, sound with these sort of um, airy vocals that you, you don't know what they're saying, but it doesn't matter because it's this, it's, it's an experience. I like music that's an experience, not just music. Um, let's see. Um, listen to a lot of um, classic kraut rock, like Kraftwerk, love mm -hmm. Kraftwerk. Um, Cluster, Harmonia, Noi, those people. Yeah. And they're spanning, um, like, Audubon. <laughs> Love Audubon. Whenever I'm on a trip and I have my iPod, I just listen to Audubon all the way through. <laughs> um, sort they, of... They share that, that uh, you know, repetitive kind of thing. Repetitive thing, and they really sort of began electronic music and wow. multi-instrumental, electronic, weird, looping things. Um, other bands, um, bands, bands, bands. Oh, have you heard of Emeralds? Hmm, I think I might have seen the name. I don't know their music. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, um, this electronic guitar -y ambient drone, not drone, um, ambient guitar electronic, um, songs that sort of span and evolve, and they're really cool. They... Uh, they broke up at some point, but the lead um, guitarist in the band went on to do some other things and that I've listened to. Um, let's see, Flame Lips, have you heard Fortet? Yes. Fortet, very um, slightly um, more to the electronic side than the experimental side. What's the name of the guy who's the lead of, leader of them? Do you know offhand? Well, it's one guy. It's one guy. Yeah. It's because I think he's he's collaborated with Steve Reed, the the, the drummer. I'm mm. spacing on his name. Yeah, he's so a jazz am I. drummer. But 
Fortet sort of the bells and electronics and sort of reverse drums and they sort of they they take your ears and sort of make make your ears focus on this and that and it's 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 really like to listen to it with headphones and how the different speakers play different things it's 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 really cool to listen to and I actually listen to a lot of Keith Jarrett the yeah. pianist mm -hmm. and his collaborations and that is more of the piano side of what I listen to and then um, bands 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 so can I keep looking for bands absolutely um, uh, there's one uh, Finnish record label that I listen to a lot <laughs> called Phono Records and I don't know if you can see this band's name right here on the top Kemiolis at Yistavat. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen that that name before. And they, I listened to Circle, another band from. Uh, oh yeah. From Finland, yeah. Yeah, and there's also Kupu and all sorts of other strange. Um, and the main um, the main lead the leader of photo, the uh, the main guy at Photo Records uh, whose name is. Well, he has this, some crazy Finnish name, but he, he, his, um, he uh, makes music on Phono Records as S, just E-S. Oh, yeah. And um, he has an album called Satin Karisu Delma or something. He uses a lot of turntables, I think, doesn't he? Or... Yeah, and I, yeah. I've, I've listened to his songs and heard the sort of omniscient clicking that sounds exactly like my looping pedal. <laughs> so I think he actually probably uses the same thing that I do. Yeah. And very ambient, lots of strings and plucked strings and piano to make these big s sweeping ambient pieces. Actually very fieldsy. Yeah. When I'm listening to this stuff, it very much reminds me of fields. And I listen to Phono Records a lot and let's see, there's probably a lot more things on here but I won't bother you with more <laughs> bands. <laughs> Do you uh, do you look forward to playing this sort of electronic music you play with with other musicians or? Um, I have a friend um, who's a who plays bass, mm -hmm. and we've been talking for a while about getting together, and for ten hours planning a song for one hour and recording for nine hours, uh -huh. <laughs> which I think would probably be really fun. But I think a lot, I would play with a lot of people if there were a lot of people I. Um, who, my age, mm -hmm. who really sort of understood my kind of music, but there aren't. Um, mm -hmm. But I do play with a good amount of adults, actually. Have you heard of Three Leafs, the band? Mm, I think I've seen the name, but yeah, I'm not familiar with them up here. Yeah, I played the the Makeout Room, which is in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and I then they played, um, and then I played with them, mm -hmm. and we created this sort of distorted guitar drone. Uh, music, which is really fun, and I played with my friend who plays bass before, and we do some fun stuff. But I, it's hard to find people who play this kind of music. I mean, just you have to really find them. You're a little ahead of the curve right now. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I mean, if you take the amount of people on earth, then the amount of people who play music, then the amount of people who play this music, then the amount of people who I could access who play this music, and the amount of people I could access who play this music who would actually want to play with me, and then finding a time to play with them, I mean, you get maybe <laughs> ten people. Yeah. <laughs> but I do look forward to maybe finding someone who plays.
So we want to play a little bit on the on the keyboard there. It's it's, it's lingering oh, out in front of us. Sure, just make a song right here. Yeah, right. if you could. Alrighty, I shall. Um, I need a key first. Uh, choose a key, any key. Uh, a. A. <laughs> a minor. Minor. M minor it is. Thank <laughs> you. 
wonderful. <laughs> Spontaneous composition from Henry Plotnick here. Wow. Well, my composition is. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. Um, so you just got back from Alaska. Was that, was that an inspiration? <laughs> well, it was slightly inspirational in the fact that the cruise ship had like three pianos on board, but you weren't allowed to play them. <laughs> so I've been devoid of being able to play music for ten days, which means when I get home, I'm like, must play music! And anytime I go on vacation, that's the case. Like, I, I don't have my, my own special room to play music, which of course is my room. I don't have my special spot, which is right here. And so then when I get back, I just have to play all the things I would have played had I been able to play. And so whenever I go on a vacation, it is slightly inspirational in that it crams up all that creative energy, and then I get to let it out when I come back. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, well, I think that's well, yeah. I, think I got what I, I, I needed. All right. But thank you so much, Henry. It was great thank to you. talk to you. Great to meet you. Pleasure's mine. <laughs> After the interview with Henry, I hung out in the dining room with Allison and caught up while Henry rolled his fingers across the piano, evoking a nice Keith Jarrett-type vibe from the living room. Somehow the conversation drifted to old encyclopedias and how much I enjoyed as a kid looking at the entry on the monstrous fish that lived at the bottom of the deepest oceans. A few minutes later, Henry emerged with a beautiful coffee table book on deep-sea creatures in which he pointed out his favorites, complete with Henry's imitation of the sounds that they would make. One, two, three, four. That's it for today's episode. Check out Henry's releases, Fields on the Holy Mountain label, and Blue 14 on the Blue Tapes label, which we've heard throughout today's podcast. Check back in two weeks for part one of my interview with sculptor and artist Al Farrow, a lifelong visual artist from out of Brooklyn who settled in Sausalito, California in the late 60s and found his greatest success in his 60s, sharing openings with Shepard Ferry and DJ Spooky. Al is full of charm, wit, and wisdom, and delivered quite a conversation. You can find the Fun to Know podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can like our page at Facebook.com to keep up with the latest episodes. And you can contact us at Fun to Know Podcast, that's always with the numeral 2, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and tune in again to the Fun to Know Podcast. We're free, I tell you. So wake up. It's time.